0: so you had mystery snacks just show up at your door
1: I did we had well not at our door like in our pantry um which is in in our pantry so
0: Give me this again. You you opened the pantry and there was just snacks that neither of you bought.
1: Yes, there was specifically there was one snack, which was a small packet of honey roasted sunflower seeds, hmm. which I swear, like I probably didn't buy. Um, and I definitely know my husband didn't buy it because he does not go grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does buy snacks, he buys like a bag of chips and eats yeah. them immediately in the car
0: right um
1: yeah he doesn't go grocery shopping because it's my favorite thing so <laughs> so he doesn't get to um
0: and you didn't buy these snacks I did these, not buy these, these mystical snacks. sunflower seeds they just showed up and right you... and they were
1: they were on like the chocolate shelf oh. and they were in a very prominent position um mm-hmm. I'm very confused I mean like Nick ate them. And he's still alive. And
0: <laughs> one thing that happens but, that people should realize is that when you go to Laura's, the spread is absolutely unparalleled. You say, "Hey, can I have?" You say, "Hey, can I have something to drink?" And like your options are limitless—a like full bar or like nine different kinds of sparkly water—and yeah. then you like ask for a snack, and she's got all these like. The snack situation at Laura's—I would put it up against anyone's.
1: Which is and, which is funny because I am not a snacker at all. Like yeah. I don't snack.
0: Yeah. With that is weird that you don't yeah. do that, but but
1: I can pull together. I know, but I can pull together like an incredible cheese plate on five minutes' notice.
0: But I do think it's interesting. So you just had sunflower seeds that, and you you enjoyed the seeds. If I'm so Nick liked the seeds.
1: He, he, yeah, he ate them. He ate them and he even said to me like, hey, when you're out grocery shopping and you find these, like buy them again. And I was like, I don't think you understand like they're, they're mystery. They're a mystery I, seeds
0: I mean, I think we've got a snack fairy situation, you know, like yeah. you've, you've done such a good job of snacking or providing snacks over the years that now the snacks are just showing the universe is repaying you.
1: Yeah. Like I've got little snack elves who are like, man, they're, like that Keebler little elves,
0: or like um... elves <laughs> dropping things off.
1: Or what's the story about the cobbler who like does really great work, but like he's overworked and he's tired, and and then the like elves show up and they 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 make his shoes at night.
0: This sounds um, like a like a folk tale that is designed to like where the moral is like, and that's why you should never feel good about yourself ever again. Um, well, so
1: <laughs> anyway, I don't, I don't actually remember how it ends, but well, it of course was not. yeah.
0: Because the ending was probably harrowing with that like any folklore. Um, but anyway, welcome <laughs> on that sour note. Uh, to this episode of Print Run, my name is Eric Kane. With me as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura.
1: Hello, Laura.
0: Um, we're just gonna vibe today. We've got a couple things we want to talk about, mostly related to what we're up to, you know how our summers are going, things like that. Um, But before we get to any of that good stuff, um, how about the basic rundown?
1: Absolutely. Um, So due to community involvement and protests last month, we were unable to get our special episodes out. So that means this month we're doing doubles. They're double length. Um, So we're we're having a double length query show, a double length first page show. And then we're going to do... some special episodes, we've got this kind of like build-up of questions and and talloons that maybe are a little bit more like crafter business specific that don't quite fit into a normal taloon and a concern. Um, so we're just gonna put a bunch of those together and like see how many we can rip through in mm-hmm. um in like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, so definitely if you think that all of that sounds fun, or even if you're like I don't know, Laura, I can't wait to the end of the month like I want to send my query now. Well, guess what? We have days of content on first pages, on query shows, on all sorts of extra special third episode content available on Patreon. Um, so you can send us your your work for submissions at printrunpodcast.gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can head on over to Patreon to sign up. Um, and you know, like check in, say hi, whatever. Please do. <laughs>
0: we love that. Um, yes, good. So it's summer. It, it is, is now summer. summer. It's what? It's June something at this point. The, the solstice are, was yeah.
1: 2 days ago. 2 um, days ago.
0: And this obviously I think is You know, like I feel I feel like every year around this time, maybe a little bit earlier, you and I end up it ends up, especially I think me it ends up occurring to me to to do, like, a summer episode where it's like, okay, hey, I want to talk about what's going on in the season. Like, for some reason, even more so than, like, any other season in publishing, summer is the one that makes me want to talk most, which is kind of weird because it's, like, the slowest season. And, but I think, like, the reason it's always on my mind or when we get to it is that it feels like... Like, this is sort of the chance to reflect and, you know, take a step back and, like, you know, things kind of slow down. You know, summer has a different feel in publishing. We've talked about that really for years now on this show. And that feels markedly different this year, obviously, given that, I don't know, this summer has been, and the, really this whole year has just been insane, right? I mean, we've had, um, we've had a pandemic. We've had you know uprisings here in the Twin Cities and around the country. you know we're do you know things are happening things are just happening all the time, and it's getting me thinking, and I think it's getting you thinking too, Laura, that like there might like maybe things are changing in terms of our work like we we did a show a few weeks ago, right, where we kind of talked about um, how the pandemic and stuff was making us see our work about work-life balance, all these different things, you know, how we were planning to kind of grapple with that and get through it. And I guess maybe where I want our prompt to go, and we can take this any direction you want, but something strange is happening this week around the country, and that is that most places are, quote-unquote, opening back up, right? Mm-hmm. Like. We've seen, you know, at least here in Minneapolis, you know, stuff is starting to reopen, you know, in New York City. I know things are start like the world or the powers that be in the world have simply decided that we're done with quarantine, that life needs to just resume and not to get too into it, but that I i personally find that to be fairly alarming because I don't really see any evidence that we have tackled this thing. And it feels like maybe even things are going to continue getting worse on the pandemic front. But it does make me think about publishing a little bit because we have spent these last few months in what, like, what the industry has sort of agreed as sort of a twilight zone, right? Everyone has mm-hmm. been sort of in a holding pattern, People survival had, mode. Right, exactly. We've had presses tell us that, oh, you know, we're kind of waiting to see what happens. We're recalibrating our strategy on the fly. Presses have moved to work from home, like. Everyone in the industry has sort of agreed that we are in a different period than we were beforehand. And so my question to you, and I'm interested in what you think about this on a bigger level and also just in terms of our work and even just how we see our work, like when things quote-unquote reopen and we hit, for instance, fall, you know, when publishing ostensibly resumes at full speed, are things just going to go back to normal you know, or are we, are we going to be seeing our work differently from now on? You know?
1: Yeah. Like, is this, is this going to be the lost summer or the last year or yeah. is this going to be a reckoning for us? Um, yeah. Well, I think, I think, um, it's easier to talk a little bit personally first. Yeah. Right. No, totally. Um, yeah. So I think for me and I've, I've reiterated and we've, you know, both in, in private, in our, in our talks off air and then on air as well, that like my particular goal and our particular goal with all of the stuff that's happening is to just like get through this without burnout.
0: Yeah. Um, absolutely.
1: And cause you know, there's, there's a lot going on and it's and it's and it's difficult and my recording studio has been rearranged and, yeah.
0: that was, that part um, has been really hard I really hate recording from my house I wish yeah. I was back at your place
1: it's but it's hard and I think and, and one of the things that I've learned Eric is that like you and I I mean we knew this before but like you and I are better when we're together yeah. like in the same room being able to manage our particular neuroses against each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like you know like right. you temper my like just jumping into stuff and yeah and you know like like we we do better work when we're together and right. so one of the things is you know we were just starting to do to really develop a a working schedule together yeah when all of this started and I think that given the you know, what, what the world looks like, I think we're probably going to be a lot more like deliberate. I think, you know, maybe in, in the whole like timeline of our business, we're probably going to do like, I don't know, maybe a real office sooner rather than later, just because this sucks real hard. Um, Isn't that, so
0: that actually is a really fascinating point because like, I feel like most of the industry is sort of talking about, Hey, we don't need physical space. We can, you know, or at least some people are, I mean, obviously I think that effect has been somewhat overstated. We're going to have people going back to work. It's not like everything is going to decentralize overnight. But there is a heightened conversation right now about working from home, about whether it works or not, all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. And my response has been what you just described, which is like, man, I really, really wish that I had a devoted and communal space for my work with my colleague. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and I think – I mean, I think it's certainly different and I think we're coming at it because we are people who have like I've spent my entire agenting career without a space like that. Right. Like I've done everything with, you know, like very, very, very much on my own. And like one of one of the things that's been really exciting working with you is that, you know, I've discovered how much better I can be (laughs) when I have somebody being like Laura That's, that's bad. Don't do that. Um, like, no, 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 this, like, don't edit, don't sell the book that way. Like change, change that, change that blurb or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, I think maybe it's making, I think the whole conversation around like physical workspaces maybe should really be about, like the the what needs what work needs to be done in person and like how much of that work like there's a ton of work that you and i do that we don't need to do in person right but the the parts of our job that really like develop our careers and really help us grow like doing pitches and and sub strategies and like editorial strategies and all of that like that's all very very good in a collaborative way um So that's, that's something that I'm like, I mean, and we knew this about ourselves, but I'm hoping that that's something that we're, we're not going to, to, I don't know, there's like a lot of construction on the way to your house. And I hope it's one of those things where I'm not like, I just like, I don't know, we can only like hang out for three hours today. So I'm just not going to come. Like, I hope that that doesn't happen when we can, you know, see each other on a regular basis again. Um, But I think going back to the actual, like, job yeah (laughs) beyond just like sitting next to you
0: workflow um
1: i i think i think i'm shaking a little a little bit of of like shame um and and i think all of this has allowed me to be a lot more like forthcoming and honest about my limitations with my authors so um yeah, so what do you
0: unpack that point? What do
1: you mean by that? Yeah, it? so I I was taught how to be an agent um by somebody who whose rhetoric was only ever around like how busy that they were and like anything that they did for you was kind of a little bit of an inconvenience and they were right. so busy and things were so important and they're you know like right. everything was so important. Um and you take that as you know a a, a newly minted 23 year old who has the energy to do that and you kind of like build this base of of just like aggressive productivity um and then you like and then you add in stuff that's online and and people talking about um you know like i did like three contracts today and da 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 da, da and like it's and, exhausting
0: it's, to listen it's, to it's yeah.
1: exhausting to listen to and i think That, um, I think that in all of this, I, like, I was always afraid to speak to my authors about like, you know what, like, I just, I, I can't turn this around in one day, like, I can't do this. And so what I was always doing is I was always like setting these expectations for them to have of me and like failing um and failing Mm -hmm. to meet those expectations and like quite honestly like that behavior broke trust a lot of like like several of my authors had in me and we ended up not being good fit because of that because I was like failing in my personal communication to them and it's been something like I've been working on quite a bit and I think all of like this weird spring this weird summer um because you can't ask anybody like how are they and they can't respond to anything other than just like well i suck like everything's bad right now and like that radical honesty with regards to capacity um i feel like has allowed me to be a better agent for the the like the creativity of my authors you know talking through with them like hey it's not a huge deal if you need things moved. Like, your health comes first. Your children come first. Like, we're we're on whatever schedule. It's not a huge deal. Like, changing changing the conversation from, like, yes, I'm your agent and I will do the work all the time to, like, we're two people working together on a single career and it's your career. And, like, this is how we're going to do it. Like, we we've kind of moved the benchmark into, like, from okay, I'll have this done tomorrow or I'll have this done this week and we'll hurry, hurry, hurry. And instead we're looking towards preserving the whole person as we build a career, if that makes sense. So that's yeah. been hard and nice, I, I guess. Mean, that, makes,
0: that sounds similar <laughs> to a lot of the conversations I've been having with um, clients of mine and what I think is like the most marked shift in how I've kind of come to I guess, see our work and see my work in the broader context of like my life. And like, you know, we did that show last week about like, you know, seeing how, you know, publishing kind of fits within a larger community, you know, and seeing ourselves in context and all that kind of stuff. But like what you're describing about being more in tune with like authors' lives And, like, trying to make the joint work fit whatever that life is. Like, that is a big part of what I'm trying to do right now, too, because I have, like, well, first of all, you know, I work on a ton of nonfiction, which means that it's people, you know, people sign the contract before the book is written, right? Mm -hmm. And so then they have to go write the book within a condensed frame of time. And I can think of, you know, several authors of mine who, you know, signed a contract very late last year or very early this year, and they have deadlines this fall or somewhere in, in that range. And they were kind of planning on this year looking a lot different than it does in order to write. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's like suddenly their kids are at home instead of, you know, at daycare or at school or at activities, they're, you know, unable to go anywhere. All these different things have been like it's their whole worlds have been upended and it's now kind of transposing across um, how they're going to actually get the book written, you know, and, and apart from it just being a really difficult time to focus on anything, you know, and and so so many of the conversations I'm having on that front are very much in the vein of like, okay, well, let's just figure it out and if we need to, you know, ask for an extension or whatever it we is, is, we'll, we'll make that plan, but, and then even on the pre-contract side, like when I'm talking to authors, it's very much, Like the thing I keep trying to reiterate is like, well, we go at your pace, right? Like we try, like we're going to make this fit whatever else you're doing. This is a this project should be something that gives you energy, not strife, you know. Mm. And that's kind of how I put it. It's like, and if it's giving you strife, then let's just set it aside for a minute. We're not on the clock. Um, and I just feel I feel that way pretty strongly about stuff I'm doing. Like at the beginning of this year, and really at the beginning of every year, one thing I always do is. I sort of map out what projects I have in my hopper and when I think I could pitch those seasonally. Cause I, you know, I come from in-house and so like, I'm very used to kind of thinking about things in terms of seasons and structures and like that and stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I'll write down, okay, I think I can pitch these books in spring. I think I can pitch these books in fall, these books maybe in late winter, you know, like things like that. And, that has sort of, you know, I still do that, but I've sort of come to put little asterisks next to everything, which basically just to indicate that, like, let things happen as they happen, you know, like, because as you, as you said, like, careers are a part of your life, you mm-hmm. know, and so if something takes a little bit longer than that, especially now, then that's just how it has to be, you know, like, that is simply... Like, that sort of, the sense of that sort of timing, I think, is a lot more important to me. And as we, you know, I guess we'll see, um, you know, what things look like in fall, you know, as things really open back up, I'm really interested in the conversations we're going to be having, you know, industry-wide about things like response times, about things like working overtime, about all this different stuff that we've always kind of been talking about, but really might kick into gear once... Ever, like once publishers make the arbitrary decision to ramp back up to like full speed mm-hmm. and everyone still feels like shit, you know, <laughs> like like I think that that's going to I think we're going to see some interesting things. And it's yeah. It's, so I don't know. I mean, are we going to see a like one other thing I've noticed is that the calendar has felt far less like flattened during or like or maybe
1: that's what do you mean I, by that.
0: I said that wrong. I want to say that it is feeling flatter now as opposed to feeling like it has these peaks and valleys like it does during a normal year. Like, you know, things are slow during the summer and really fast-paced during the fall and, you know, and busy in the spring and all that kind of stuff. But right now, it's just my sense is, like, things are just going to kind of feel similarly throughout, you know? Like, I thought, like, I don't really feel that differently right now than I did in early spring. You know, in terms of my workflow, just because the season
1: hasn't really changed. What's the season
0: has exactly? Exactly. We, the season hasn't changed, even though the calendar has. And it's like, yeah, things are, you know, publication calendars are still looking like they do. But I do wonder if stuff like that could shift. Like, are we totally sure that the seasonal model is the only way to do publishing? Because right now, it doesn't really feel like seasons are a real thing. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that. There's a certain amount of dealing with fatigue and broader life and it's like I feel like there's a way someone could take this conversation and hear, oh we're working less or we care less or we're tr- we're like and, I, and or the intensity has gone down and I don't think that's it I think it's just I've kind of found a new way of caring about this pretty deeply, you know like
1: yeah what I think I yeah. think to 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 maybe summarize and and bring together both of our points it's that previously the the pressure and the focus in our jobs by virtue of just kind of like how the business and how the rhetoric around the business was working was 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 on the work right now and i think mm-hmm. that both you and i and our authors are really only able to to, to make sense of the current moment and to still produce and to, to still move forward in our careers by focusing on long-term careers. Yeah. Like, and kind of seeing how one project or one thing fits together um, in, in a larger context. So Mm -hmm. now it's more of like, I'm having long conversations about what, It would mean to take a current work in progress and try to like turn that into a breakout book and what kind of opportunities do we want this book like it's not where can I sell this book it's when this book is sold how can we how can we position it how can we edit it how can we do all of this to open up doors to these other things that you want to do.
0: It's longer-term thinking, certainly, yeah. because yeah. the short-term sucks. So you have to, <laughs> like, you have to see something else. You know. Remember when it. we were
1: planning this episode, and you were like, "I think we both feel good today. Maybe we should talk about something happy."
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I do feel kind of good today. Yeah, um, and and
1: like to reiterate, like this isn't like a bummer. Like saying that everything sucks no. is not like news to anybody. But yeah. I like to me, I I am like. I wake up and I am energized by thinking long term in a way that I haven't necessarily been like had the time or the space to 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 do when everything was moving a million miles a minute and was focused yeah. on right now. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Like right. and even
1: editors are reaching out to me about projects And they're saying, you know, like, no rush, like, we're not on a timeline, like, we just have this idea, and this person is great, and we want to work with them. And it's like, it's like, like, there's time to be collaborative, there's time to think ahead, there's like, and that, and that feels nice, like, it feels like taking that long view is the really like the antidote to all the things we complain about when we talk about publishing being reactive or like the cable newsification of it right that's nice
0: i think it, i think that part is in a nice silver lining um yeah no so that seems good um what do we got next
1: well in addition to focusing on long-term career stuff eric you've been in a very <laughs> interesting space right now yeah Meaning you are now writing science fiction. You are well, a science fiction writer.
0: So that is probably the biggest exaggeration <laughs> of what I am doing. Um, no, I am I – w- I don't think I am a science fiction writer, but what I am Are you doing, writing
1: we, science fiction?
0: Well, I mean, I guess definitionally maybe, but that's only because – like, so, well, let me get into it here. So we, um, we, I think we mentioned this too on a previous show, but like, I kind of just like had a, like, I've been feeling pretty creatively dead less so now, like I'm actually coming out of it just because I think of what I'm doing here. But, um, I'd been kind of feeling, you know, po- I had written a novel and got finished with it and then just really couldn't think of anything else to do. and was feeling kind of stuck and bad about it and all that kind of stuff. And so, and then, you know, the summer we just described has, or the season, I guess it started in late winter, even into the spring, like that hit and the things were just feeling so dead that I was just kind of like, okay, I've got to do something totally different than anything I've ever worked on before, just purely as an exercise in trying to shake something up and jar something loose, right? And so like... Yeah, no, basically, I just started, like, pantsing a science fiction novel, um, which is really fun. It's not good. Um, (laughs) And, again, like, I do not claim to know what I'm doing in this genre, in this category. I I don't have that much yet. But, like, the point is, like, I've started basically, like, there's been a sort of, like, escapist element to this. Like, I'm someone who writes very... um, I kind of write contemporary realism, right? Like when I'm normally, you know, working in the vein that I feel more comfortable in. And this is not that. This is very separate from that. And it feels weird and strange and like I'm remedial at it. (laughs) And which is all good, but it is what it's making me do is like, I'm thinking about things on a much more foundational level. It's like, I'm like having to return to like original thoughts about like, Okay, scenes and detail, like very much being overt about craft stuff in a way that I don't think I have been in a while. And I don't know, like it's fun and like with that I'm also, you know, like I'm pitching or I'm not pitching yet, but I'm editing a a client book that is in the spec fic genre and like that too has been really kind of a breath of fresh air for me. And so like I guess I'm just like finding right now that getting outside my category a little bit has, it's really sort of made me see things. It's given me a lot of energy and it's sort of made me see things in a totally kind of new light again. And that, that is nice. Um, Even if the work itself, you know, my, uh, the book that I am trying to write now is it's really, really not good. This will never (laughs) see, like this will never see the light. This exists purely as a, writing exercise i don't know i don't know
1: about that like that's okay so this this is a worthy it's a side conversation to what our what our main goal was for this but i think it's a i think it's worthy to discuss like your your gut reaction to say well i'm somebody who plots and now i'm writing this new thing in this new category and i'm writing just by the seat of my pants i'm right. just completely throwing stuff out there and it sucks and will never see the light of day like right. i think i think that is probably an incorrect assessment of like the type of craft that you're engaging in because that's like the whole idea right when you pant something you're just like word vomiting onto the page and then the edit is is more um like there's more heavy lifting in the yeah. edit
0: yeah Well, that's my understanding is, like, the best version, like, the best case scenario, and I guess, yeah, for context, like, I'm someone who fills notebooks with pre-writing. Like, I do a ton of planning. I do a ton of outlining. I do a ton of, like, that sort of, I spend more time doing that than the writing itself, and that means that it takes me a really long time to produce basically anything and so I was kind of sick of that, too, because it felt too precious and meticulous. And so I was like, okay, let's just do it. And I feel like the best case scenario for something like this is I get to the end and I say, okay, I have something that I can now completely rewrite from scratch again. But at least I know – like I sort of feel like what this draft might be is the pre-writing notes for another draft should I desire to produce one. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah it's i don't know i don't know how other people pants their work for those who that's
1: exactly how it works Eric. for
0: those who do it like do they take that draft and really work with it or do they write it and then say okay this is basically the the notes and the thinking for what i'll actually write i don't know but
1: it's um, it's both like it's yeah. it's you take that and it's you figuring out the world it's you figuring out the characters it's you figuring out the plot Right, and there's some stuff that you can keep, there's some stuff that the idea of which you can keep there's right. some stuff you try and you completely throw out, so the answer is yes to all yeah. of that
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but but i think I think going back you know beyond the craft conversation that we mm-hmm. just sort of ended up having here yeah. i wanted I wanted to take us back to the idea of like the speculative fiction because I think that you were probably you know as much as I've been trying to like force science fiction and fantasy into your hands for Mm -hmm. the last several years like this is really the first year that you've taken it on professionally and and you're doing it on on a personal craft level um and I I I wonder so besides it being just not what you normally write and not how you normally write. Like, what is it about this science fiction that, like, draws – that, that is drawing you in? Like, why why this genre? Why this story?
0: Well, I think it feels elsewhere.
1: What do you mean you by You know, that?
0: like, so, I mean, I I guess, like, a version of that is wanting to just, like, think about a world other than this one. And that isn't really – I don't think that's really what's obviously like speculative fiction is a way of engaging with our world. You know, it's not like just pure get me away from this, but like I have found like, maybe this is the way to put it. When this pandemic started, a very annoying conversation popped up in (laughs) the literary internet, um, which was that like half the people were really interested in reading about, and I feel like there were really two distinct camps here, right? Like, there was the camp that was really interested in reading pandemic writing. They wanted to see essays. They wanted to see all that kind of stuff. Um, and then there was the other camp that even before any of these pieces got written was already like decrying the pandemic personal essay, was already mad at the coronavirus novel, that it already got a too big advance that, they, that didn't even exist. Yet. You know what I mean? Like people were inventing these horrific scenarios for these terrible books, just ba- like and to be clear, I was one of those people. Like You were on the, like, zombie um,
1: books are bad right now? I
0: was not. Yeah, I was someone who was like, do not everybody start writing some, like, pandemic book that, like, I don't want to see that. And I never want to see that. I don't like seeing novels that are written, uh, like, the ripped from the headline adult novel to me is is just no, I don't like it very much, um, which is not going to be a surprise to many of you, I realize, but like, um, that kind of means that also in my work too, it's been really nice to have something else because one thing, one place I do like engaging with, you know, what's going on in terms of writing is in nonfiction, right? And that's like most of my list are, you know, writers doing cultural, political, you know, stuff, that really does kind of take on the moment in a more direct way without even the lens of fiction, you know, without even that degree of separation. And so that, while very necessary, and I'm glad I'm doing that, that's exhausting too, you know, and so it's nice to be able to just take a step aside from that in my own writing and in the writing of at least, you know, a few of my clients who um, are doing something other than, staring directly into the sun you know and um it's no it's just it's good I mean I guess I'm getting a lot of energy out of being being elsewhere you know feeling like something is different because one other thing just even on like a routine level like every single thing in my life now happens on this same exact damn computer in the same exact chair (laughs) you know it's like I work from this chair. I have social calls on this chair. I don't
1: don't be don't be ridiculous. You have social cause calls walking around your basement throwing around a football.
0: That is also true when it no comment. (laughs) Um, So it's a the point is like things have really kind of started to feel the same all over the place. And like it's been nice to have one sphere that feels just totally different, you know.
1: Even if it's dealing with the same things, and even if it's looking right. the same, right? Yeah, and I, I have, I, I have to admit, Eric, I've, I've started to read post-apocalyptic books right now.
0: I'm reading Station Eleven as we speak. Are you really? Yeah. Have you
1: ever read it before? I've
0: never read it. No. You've
1: never read it before. How far are you?
0: I'm like a hundred pages in.
1: What do you think? It's Is fun.
0: It? No, yeah. I'm enjoying it. Like it's. It's doing.
1: How have we talked about Station Eleven so many times on this podcast, and you have just been like sitting there, like low key, not having read it?
0: Well, I don't know. It, you get the you know, in terms of like discussing its publishing profile, that part is easy to discuss, you know. And so, um, but no, I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's a, uh, I will say, like the one takeaway I have so far is like it makes a few like structural decisions and executes them really well. In on things that like I know I have tried to edit myself out of doing in my own work and now I'm thinking man I maybe that weird thing could be put back in you know Um, But that's a different conversation, but the point is like so far. I am really I am really liking the book. Um, It's fast paced it's fun. It's I don't know. It's obviously kind of heart-wrenching in its own way. It's it's good
1: I've been I, I found that in the past like month yeah. I, I was, like, one of those people at the beginning of everything. Yeah. I was, like, I am not going to read post-apocalyptic right. or apocalyptic, right. like, fiction, and, you know, especially because, like, I spend so much of my life in science fiction and fantasy. Right. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Um, And I've read, like, five of those right. books <laughs> in, in the past month, and... Not entirely on purpose, but it's just like what usually happens is I'm listening to it on audio and, you know, I walk my dog every day and and so I get through them fairly fast. And I for some reason, I'm always like 10 minutes left in a book when I'm like right about to go to bed. And then I'll just like real quick before I fall asleep, scroll and like pick the next thing that's available through my library. And what I've ended up doing is just like picking these like. Zombie books, or like parasite books, or like, or or like these these horrible like these these horrible like sickness books. Yeah, and for some reason it's it's like there's a direct parallel, and and some part of my brain is saying like Laura, like maybe this is a little too close to home, but another part of my brain is going. Oh well, if these people can get through it, like so can I. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, even yeah. if they don't survive at the end of the book, Eric. <laughs> um, but I'm like, Man. <laughs> I'm like, the, the book's still written. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's 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 interesting. I think I think I'll be I'll be interested to see as you're digging deeper into you know your science fiction fantasy as you're writing it you'll probably read more of it i know yeah. i've already given you like yeah. this this reading list um it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah if you just become like a big science fiction nerd
0: <laughs> i have a sense that that may not happen but it will well maybe to some extent we'll see
1: who would have thought that you would have become? Yeah, who would have, have thought that you it. would have become a Magic: The Gathering person?
0: That too. No, I'm developing all sorts of horrible personality traits under <laughs> quarantine. Um, but yeah.
1: Well, let's let's do the Taloon. We've uh-huh. been vibing real hard, so let's like answer a concrete question from somebody. Why
0: don't I? Re- why don't I read it to you?
1: Do you? Okay.
0: okay. I'd love to read it. Here we go. Taloon, it may concern. I'm a closeted LGBT writer about to start querying. Some of my top agent choices are openly LGBT with lists that reflect that. One has even openly stated that they really only seek to represent fiction with queer elements, and another basically only represents POC or LGBT authors books. The problem is I'm still new to my identity and do not feel comfortable telling my friends and family, much less an agent. The LGBT elements in my book are more background and casual and not an, quote, issue book, so it's not something I feel is appropriate to include in the query. And since I'm passing as straight, I'm also white, I worry it would come off wrong if I even tried. I don't feel comfortable using my identity in any way when querying, and even if I'm lucky enough to get an offer, wouldn't tell the agent then. At some point, I would like to talk about it and disclose it as I grow into myself, but not before. I don't see that being anytime soon, but I still want an agent I'm going to be comfortable with. So what do I do? sincerely uncomfortably closeted
1: okay um so this is something that you and i spoke of quite a bit actually when we were building our copy for headwater yeah um and first of all i would like to say to this person like we're like super proud of you for reaching out and asking this question i know it's probably not comfortable at all to to come out to us even though we It's anonymous. Um, So you're very brave and we really appreciate you and we're glad you're, you're in the writing world. Um, But I think, I think a really important element that that gets glossed over a lot is the, the uncomfortable power dynamic and the potential of somebody who is marginalized, like by disclosing their identity, they're opening themselves up to a lot of potential hurt in in, in querying and and what have you like first right. of all you don't actually like if you're submitting not necessarily to the two agents you mentioned but maybe to somebody else who you think you know might be open to your work um you know there's always a potential that that they're not and 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 you know there's there's a lot of people and we've spoken about this before where A lot of particularly like white agents and editors will say, you know, they want diverse books, they want um, writers of color, they want LGBTQ writers, they want disabled writers, but they're not necessarily like doing the work to like protect and not fetishize those those particular right. writers. Right. Um and that's been, you know, like that's been a really big concern of mine with with a lot of my list is like making sure that we're not just going with like the best deal or like who publishes the best like diverse books, but like who is going to make my author safe. Right? Like safety mm-hmm. is a really big concern there. Um and like that's with somebody who has like an advocate, right? That's with somebody who has an agent. When you're querying, um, you're on your own and you don't necessarily have the guidance or the knowledge or have somebody who can kind of like get in your way and and make sure that like the road ahead is clear before, before putting you in positions like that. Yeah. Um, and that's really scary. And I want to reiterate to everybody listening right now that you are under no obligation ever to disclose your particular identity or you, like let people use it as a selling point or to prove that you're, you know, allowed to do something.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you don't have to do that. <laughs> like what you're like, what that expectation does is it puts the power in somebody else's hands. Right. And it, it can be, really uncomfortable or really dangerous or really hurtful Mm -hmm. um and so i think the key is to understand that somebody who is very like authentically wanting to work with marginalized authors will understand that not everybody can or should or will disclose their particulars identities to particular identities to them so I think um, I think I think that's an understanding. Like if somebody like turns you down, like let's say you're on a call or something, and somebody goes, "Well, you know, like I really liked your work, um, and asks about your identity, like that's maybe not like a super safe person to be working with. I don't know. Um, yeah. And so I think I think the key here is to understand that by virtue of being somebody who is LGBT, and writing a book, your book is queer, right? Like that's like, if right. you've worked it in there, you said it's not an issue book and that's good and fine. Actually, most people aren't looking for issue books, particularly related to LGBTQ characters right now. Like if you just have a book where it's like fucking queer, like there's lots of, there's lots of NB people. There's, there's lots of people of various sexual identities. Um, that's good. <laughs> like, and that's, and that's enough. So if you have, if you want to work with these people who you believe are safe and you don't want to come out, it's easy enough to just say like, my book is, is queer and you don't have to justify Like it doesn't necessarily yeah. need to be relevant to the plot. Right. It doesn't necessarily anything, but like what you're doing is communicating that there's representation in there. Yeah. And for most people who understand, particularly when it comes to, Um, homophobia or transphobia like understanding that this is a process and it's really difficult and anybody who will say well you know it's just like for example another white lady writing you know uh, a queer book like that to assume that means that person isn't a very like good person for you or a safe person for you
0: anyway I mean I think the second people start trying to take trying to demand your credentials in that way, you know what I mean? Like it just feels very strange to me. So I think what you're saying is, um, is correct, which is that you just by virtue of writing the book, it has the element that they're describing and you can just go from there. You know, you don't have to disclose more than you want to, um, because that's yours, not someone else's branding tool, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, if, if anybody ever like, I, I can't say this enough times. Like if anybody ever treats it like a branding tool or, well, this is a black book or this is a trans book or whatever, um, that person's probably not a good person for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's important with that. And, you know, I know a lot of people listening to this might think that, you know, I like I work with a lot of romance authors and a lot of them have very, very separate personal lives from professional right. lives. Right. And they'll often use completely different names and they're in a lot of ways more open and talking about their identity or um, more able to like quote unquote be themselves mm-hmm. professionally. Um, and that can like talking to people you don't know can feel safe, especially if you think, or believe that somebody is going to be able to um, be able to like support you in that. Um, but it's also really scary and not everybody does that. Not everybody feels safer with strangers. Um, and it sounds like you're really, really at the beginning of your journey mm-hmm. and just like share what you feel comfortable with. And in terms of your query, just say that your book is queer or, you know that your char- your your book features a lot of characters on the lgbtq spectrum and that's enough right yeah
0: no i mean i think that's a good place to believe it you know i think that's i think that's well said
1: yeah yeah i mean it's not like there's not an easy answer and the answer will probably change for you as you're moving along. Like it's, you know, everything's a process um, and what you feel comfortable with one day might not be at all what you feel comfortable with the next day and just Mm -hmm. like allow that to be a thing. (laughs) Right. And you know, like the idea is that an agent is going to be a safe person for you. They're going to be an advocate for you. They're going to be able to, step in when editors are demanding things that are unfair or there's, there's, you know, some, some um, like a rough patches in your career. And so like starting it now and expecting that from them, like that's, it's, it's an important part of the process. I so yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if, you know, like, honestly, like we should be holding <laughs> agents to higher standards in terms of, like how they talk about the identities of their authors. Like there's that's that's something that's fairly new in how people are are talking about diversity and representation, um, and it's it's a hard process. So anyway, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah,
0: totally.
1: <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. If you want to hear about that, uh, maybe we'll do it sometime. But anyway. I can keep repeating this, but it's, it's, <laughs> but really like, it's important. There's a reason I keep repeating this. It's because you need to like, believe it in your bones. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Believe it down into your bones. Um, and there you go. Okay. So Good. yeah. So just play that bit over and over and over again, if you need to, <laughs> um, yeah. we will have our special episodes out before the end of the month. That'll be, you know, a full, like what would account amount to like six episodes which is going to be a lot of content yes um we haven't recorded them yet so if you want to get yours send them to us we're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com and we will see you for a regular episode hmm, either next week or the week Soon. after.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yep okay everyone thank you so much bye
0: bye